The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... And you've always got to remember the person you were before you got diagnosed. Like, don't let that new diagnosis define you and the way you behave and the things you do because you can still do everything. It's just about taking the time, that famous old phrase, trial and error, and just making it work around your diabetes. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? And welcome back to another episode of the Insulon Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you're probably busy, you're working, you might be just finished work, you might be cleaning the dishes, you might be getting ready for bed, going to the gym, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, I'm glad you've joined us. And I know you're going to love this episode because I most certainly love this episode. So the guest that I have is Matt Hornsby. He is from the UK. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 24. Now, me and Matt have been following each other on Instagram for a while now. We've kind of gone back and forth, having some conversations, talking about fitness and these kind of things every now and then. So it was really good to finally get Matt on the podcast and hear him speak properly in depth because he really, really knows his stuff. Matt is a personal trainer. He's an online coach and also a security guard. So I'm sure he's seen it all over the years. And what really impressed me about Matt is the fact that he is not even diagnosed three full years yet, but how he speaks about his diabetes and how confident he is around it is phenomenal. So I know you're going to get a lot of unbelievable value from this episode from hearing from Matt. So let me get stuck right into it. Enjoy this episode. I'll speak to you soon. So look, Matt, I know, as you said, you were diagnosed age 24 and that would generally be considered slightly older to be diagnosed with type one, because most of the time people will assume that you're younger diagnosed with type one, but that's obviously not the case. But I'm always fascinated to know and curious to know what someone's mindset is like around that time because I you were even diagnosed later than me I was 19 yeah but you were 24 you're old enough to understand what this was so where was your head at when you were diagnosed oh man you know it's, it's a really good question I think that I've, I've always said that like 
I couldn't have been in a, a better position to be diagnosed with diabetes, which is a really weird thing to hear and say, but it, it all kind of makes sense the more I talk about it. So if we look at just before I was diagnosed in the weeks upcoming, like obviously it was around the time COVID was happening and all the rest of it, when we were just really hearing about it on the news. And, um, and I've been on this weekend away in London, you know, super packed nightclubs, tube trains, all the rest of it. And I'd come back and a few days later I was coughing and I was really ill and it kind of cleared up. And then all of a sudden I was getting all the symptoms, like, you know, constantly having to go to the toilet, uh, drinking like, you know, insane amounts of water. I remember particularly going to the tap with a pint glass and just like necking it five times and thinking this really isn't right. And I typically, you know, I was like, well, I'm having some time off soon. I'll just go to the doctors then. So I carried on going to work, doing these like 10, 12 hour shifts. And all of my friends around me were like, oh, mate, you know, you you, you don't look too great. You're losing all this weight. And, you know, I was quite bulky before. I was about 100 kilos and bearing in mind, I'm only like five foot 10. So I was like, I was, I was pretty glancy. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then I was like 84 kilos in two weeks. So I was just like, where is all this going? You know, I was necking all the protein shakes and food I could get down me and nothing was doing anything. And I remember sitting there before, before work, eating my breakfast and literally dropping off to sleep into my food. And I was like, this isn't right. So I've gone into the doctors and, um, yeah, I said, I Googled the symptoms and I was kind of, this is, I guess, the benefit of being a bit older. I was putting two and two together. And I said, look, I think I've got diabetes. Can you do some blood tests on me, please? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. And they did an HbA1c on me. And then they must have got the results quick because they phoned me back that day. And my doctor is this really like old, posh English guy. And she goes, oh, Matthew, you know, I, I think you might have diabetes. Go to the hospital. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right, you know, don't 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 break it to me gently. Off I go. And um, he was like, "Yeah, your HbA one is 108. Just go into A and E and tell him that." So I went in, and um, yeah, I literally walked into A and E. Obviously, they were already freaking out because this was like peak when everyone was just figuring out about COVID. And I was like, "Oh hi, I've got an HbA one C of 108. Like, I don't feel very well." And before I knew it, mate, I was literally laid out in the resource room with like two drips coming out of each arm, and then they just handed me. It was quite nice of them, to be fair. The the healthcare assistant just went and printed out as much information about diabetes as he could find and just handed me this wad of paper. And it's like, yeah, like, this is what you've got. Have a good read. And I was sitting there just going, oh, my God, what am I in for? Reading all these things off of like Wikipedia about diabetes that this lad's just printed off for me. And I said to the doctors, I was like, oh, you know, like, am I going to be all right? And they were like, well, you're, you're pretty poorly, mate. Like, you know, your ketones are so high, we literally can't read them. And they were like, your blood's basically turning to acid. And I was like, wow, this isn't great. And um, yeah, I think I was in, in like intensive care for like a day. And then I was on a ward for about three days after that. And it was, again, not really an ideal situation because I got handed this letter from from like the government, I guess. And it was just like, because of COVID, because you're now a vulnerable person, you're being discharged from the hospital early. So I've been given this letter. Um, shortly afterwards, I've had these two ladies come up to me with my basil and my Nova Rapid. And they, they handed me this like little foam turtle, right? And they're like, this is how you practice injecting. Cool. All right, now you do one in your tummy. Brilliant. Um, they wrote down a bit of paper, my doses for insulin. And they're like, sweet off your pot mate we'll call you in a week and I was just sat at home with these two um my two insulin pens 
just like yeah it was a really defining moment because i was thinking like what what on earth do i do but going back to why i said i thought i was quite well equipped to have diabetes is because of my background as a personal trainer i've been carb counting for probably like seven or eight years religiously every day i'm kind of um, really anal about that stuff anyway so i understood carb counting and obviously it took me a little while to work out my insulin to carb ratio and all that stuff but once the first sort of three or four weeks were out of the way it kind of I, I had a chance to hit the ground running because I'd done a lot of the learning already and that's when um yeah that's when obviously lockdown happened I wasn't working as much so I had a bit more of a chance to to transition into it and, and get to understand it properly a lot going on there Matt <laughs> like yeah yeah okay. mate, honestly loads going on yeah and see I, I had almost forgotten the fact that you were diagnosed during the time of COVID. Yeah. So it was like, in a sense, you couldn't be the priority in the hospital or get as much time as you might need, even yeah. with like, can, like frequent checkups and these kind of things. Yeah, You're just yeah. thrown into the deep end and sent home nearly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was, um, it was kind of crazy. And I remember witnessing like the, the doctors like arguing with each other about whether we should be on this ward or not. Because I was on a ward with a few other people who had diabetes of different sorts. And they were literally arguing because they're like, no, no, they're too vulnerable. This should be a red zone. And the other one were like, nah, it's fine. Leave him here. And I was just thinking like, I really hope you guys understand what you're doing because we're just sat here like, what on earth is going on? But to, to be honest, the, the real godsend was my diabetes nurse. Big up Penny, if you're listening. I know you listen to it sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she was an absolute angel, mate, because she phoned me about a week after I got home. And I remember just being on the phone with her. I had like a note in my phone of all of these questions I wanted to ask, the most weird and wonderful questions. And she sat there for, I think it was like just over an hour going through every single one with me. And yeah, from there on out, mate, like even now I could ring the diabetes team and be like, how can I have a appointment with Penny? And I could probably get in there to see her tomorrow. Like they're mm. so good. So honestly, I know it completely varies on what part of the country you live in, but I'm so lucky with that. Like they're absolute angels. Yeah, that's amazing to hear because I suppose when you speak to so many diabetics, there are so many contrasting experiences people have with with their diabetic team or their doctors yeah. and these kind of things so it's always refreshing to hear that somebody has such a positive outlook or a positive experience with their team so yeah. again penny massive shout out to you i'm gonna email her and send yeah, her to this your way. help is i'm sure her help at that time was just invaluable for you yeah so even just going back on that matt because this happened around the time of covid and you said you were kind of out on nights out and busy trains and bars or whatever it might have been. And you started coughing. Do you feel like or did you have COVID before you were diagnosed? I, I would 100% say so, yeah. It was before I could get tested. But um, yeah, I mean, it was literally the weekend that was, we were all seeing all the news about about China. And, you know, there was the talk we might have to go into a lockdown. And yeah, I, I was in this packed out nightclub in Soho and then I was getting all these um, these busy tube trains and two days after I got back, I was coughing and I had a pretty good immune system. I didn't really get ill ever. I was coughing loads and then I had this high temperature and there was a point where I remember my temperature was so high. I was like going to the fridge to make a coffee and I couldn't lift the two pint milk out of the fridge. Like I physically couldn't do it. And then like, you know, two weeks before I was in the gym, you know, 
fairly strong. So it was, I knew something was really wrong. And yeah, I kind of bounced back from it, but it was shortly after I bounced back of going into work. And I remember it was really funny. My, my boss at the time was like a, like a big bodybuilder and, um, you know, he'd been like a bouncer and whatever. And that's how he got into, into the role we're in. And he looked at me and he was started winding me up and he was like, oh, mate, you know, like your, your forearms are bigger than your biceps. Where's all your size <laughs> going? And I was like, oh, don't even talk to me, man. I can't help it. It's just falling off me. Mm. Yeah. And I remember my waist went from like 36 to 29, literally in two weeks, which is like crazy. Yeah, it's phenomenal how fast the weight falls off you. Yeah, I lost about a stone and a half in the space of a month, which yeah, is insane, you know? It's scary, man. And but, that, did you ever try and train at that point when you were like, obviously not knowingly in DKA? Yeah. Now, I wasn't as into the gym as I am now, but mm. I was always into fitness and like running or even doing kind of body weight stuff. But when you're training hard to keep muscle or keep your strength or whatever it might be and then the weight's still falling off you it's yeah. like what is happening and then when it's other horrible. people notice you're like what is going on i'm working really hard to, yeah. to, to be in shape but the weight yeah, is yeah. falling off so how long after it matt how long after i suppose you believing having covid were you diagnosed because i've i've now spoken to i'd say well over 10 people who yeah. had COVID and then shortly after were diagnosed with type one. And yeah. There's apparently now there's reason to believe that COVID can almost kickstart this autoimmune disease in your body that may be laying dormant. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree. Um, I actually saw an article on diabetes UK about that, that exact thing, mm. which I kind of like, yeah, it, it explained a lot of what happened to me. I, I'd say probably, the gap was about two weeks, yeah, between like, having COVID and then being, you know, like fully experiencing the symptoms of DKA. Because obviously it would have taken a while for my sugars to rise to where they did. Because I think when I actually got to hospital, they did a finger prick and I was at 32 millimoles. And then, yeah, my ketones, they didn't actually have a machine that could read my ketones as high as they were. It just set off wow. the scale and everything. Okay. Which you must have felt awful, did you? Yeah, mate, honestly. Because I just didn't know what what i was experiencing you know i kind of i'd google the symptoms and i thought maybe but then all my friends around me you know not nothing against them obviously but they were just like oh no man you're so healthy you wouldn't have diabetes because that's mm. just the classic misconception and i kind of <laughs> believed them because i didn't really know anything about it either but um yeah mate I, I felt grim and it was just all the weight loss couldn't stop going to the toilet and it was just yeah I remember I felt so grim as well because I wasn't sleeping because I was having to go to the toilet like every 20 minutes throughout the night. I was thinking, yeah, there's definitely something not right here. And of course, when my doctor was just like, yeah, you've got diabetes, go hospital. Literally just as blunt as that. Yeah, that's when I kind of figured it out. And obviously with your background in, in fitness and being a personal trainer, you have uh, a, a pretty good, well, personal trainer should have a pretty good understanding yeah. of diabetes. Yeah. Had you understood the true extent of what a life of type one actually entails yeah yeah i, I did well and, and that's kind of why it was so hard hitting when it happened and yeah tr truth be told in that moment when i got home and there was no one around and i was just sat with my two insulin pens i just broke down i was like i know what i'm in for now and it was so scary and i think that the fact that i'd never met anyone else living with type one as well 
obviously I knew that it was manageable and I knew that I probably could still live my lifestyle in the way I had been, but you know, the whole concept of like, will I still get to do all the things that I really hold dear, like, like working out and, you know, going out for long walks and stuff. It was really scary because, you know, it's like all of a sudden you've now got an organ that doesn't work or very much misbehaves. So yeah, I, I did understand it, but I don't think that it was extensively covered in in my initial my initial PT course because I don't I think it must be similar in, in Ireland, but you basically have like your level two where you can just work in a gym and do basic inductions. Then your level three you can take private clients on. And then anything above that is almost like doing your masters. You know, you've got a specify in a, in a little area mm. so that's kind of what led me on to i remember being and we, we get to this more a bit later if you like but i was just being sat in the hospital bed and i did ask them briefly about exercise and they just handed me this leaflet that was probably printed before i was actually born just like <laughs> yeah you can go running and eat a couple of biscuits before and um yeah that's about it and i was like you know is there got anything else and the nurses just sort of looked at each other and that's when I was kind of like, right, well, I'm sure I can put two and two together here. Like, I know how much insulin sensitivity is affected by lifting. I know that having more muscle mass on you is very, very good for your body composition. And that was kind of the basis of like, right, well, everything I know from being a personal trainer so far, which wasn't even that much, can help me manage my condition more. And as we got into it, the weeks and months, I thought, right, me going back to live my normal lifestyle is helping me manage really, really good bloods. Obviously, you know, we have got honeymoon period as a factor, but I could still see through that that I was getting really good results from going through my normal training, my normal eating. And, you know, obviously tracking carbs was a game changer, you know. So that's when I was like, right, over here, I think, don't know if you do it in Ireland or not, but over here you can do a level four in obesity and diabetes. So I thought, well, even if I never go back into the world of personal training full-time because at that time I was only really doing it just casually with friends still. I thought, right, I'll do this and it will really help me out. And then as soon as I started getting into the works of it and learning more and helping myself more, I thought, and getting more involved in the Instagram community, that's when I kind of had this light bulb moment. I was like, I really, really want to help out so many other people with what, what I've learned because it's just like, you see so many people on Instagram struggling with it and I know everyone's completely different and it's no one size fits all for diabetes, but I just thought I really want the things that I've learned. I want to break these down to a point where people can understand them. And if I can even put out some content or coach someone that affects the smallest amount of their life and has their blood sugars just, you know, 10, 15% better, like, yeah, it's just the most fulfilling thing. And I think it goes so much more beyond just helping someone towards a weight loss goal in run of the mill PT, because, you know, if you can really help someone understand how to control their condition, life is life changing. Do you know what I mean? 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I think even your experience is so similar to mine because after I was diagnosed, I was thinking, oh God, like, am I going to be able to be as fit as I was, am I going to be able to be as active as I was and all these these thoughts kind of going through your head. Yeah. But when you get back into what you had been doing in terms of training and nutrition and all these different things, you realize quite quickly the unbelievable impact that fitness as a whole and primarily, in my opinion, resistance training has on your sensitivity and your overall management of your bloods. It is life-changing. Yeah, and completely. I suppose, much like you, Matt, 
it's almost as if we were kind of at an advantage because we all obviously have a history of being involved in fitness, but yeah. also we both really enjoy fitness. Yeah. And if I wasn't diabetic, I'd be training just as much as I do. And I'm sure you would too. Yeah, but yeah. because we enjoy our training so much, it's not a chore. No. And because we do it so much, it has a significant benefit on our bloods. And yeah, fully. I often feel it can be so, so much more difficult for other people because they might not enjoy training as much as me and you do. Yeah. You know? And that's why it's always so important to remind people that, look, you don't have to pump the gym six days a week to, no. to see the benefits. It could be a half an hour walk a day. It could be yeah. a bodyweight workout a week, you know, but yeah. any sort of movement and exercise like that is going to have a benefit. Completely. Like, and I think no it's question. especially like if if people are coming from a position where they've like not done anything before, even that jump from very little activity to three bodyweight workouts a week, mm. their body, that, that, that way their body needs to adapt to cope with that new stimulus is going to help them so much. So it's like that for them might be the same difference between you and me doing our normal weights workout to like, you know, doing a really intensive powerlifting program. It's still that jump in difficulty. So your body still has to adapt to that new training. And it's that adaptation where you're really going to see those benefits. Mm. And that's why I think it's so great for people. Absolutely. And it's funny as well. I always, I, I view resistance training as a natural increase of basal insulin because yeah. that's how much of an impact that it has. Yeah. Because it will consistently increase your sensitivity throughout the week. Yeah. And inevitably lead to you requiring less insulin. And yeah, yeah. in my opinion, the the higher your sensitivity is, the less insulin your body requires, the easier, yeah. quote unquote, easier your bloods are to manage because yeah. your body is doing a lot of that work itself to a certain extent. Yeah, completely. And I think really like going on from what you've said there obviously the more you're training the more the more essentially basal you've got like you have to have less insulin on board so you've got less risk of a hypo and it just all kind of knocks into each other and it just means that yeah i think it means that resistance training is such a great part of a lifestyle mm. i would love if every hospital around the world prescribed resistance training to anyone yes. when they're diagnosed here's yeah. your insulin here's your workout program yeah yeah, because, take up the dumbbells, off you go. <laughs> yeah, because it's just as important. It's yeah. just as significant of an impact. Looking back, Matt, over the past two and a half, three years, and the fact that you were diagnosed at not an old age at all, but older than a lot of people that you might speak to, do you feel as if you would have preferred being diagnosed the age that you were compared to younger or vice versa oh you know it's, it's a really interesting question i think there's definitely i guess you can definitely see benefits for both of them but i think for me personally it came at just the right time because although if i'd have been diagnosed a lot younger you know i would have had my whole life to to understand it and i guess if you're diagnosed really young you never know any different right when you when you see these kids that are diagnosed at like three four years old 
But for me, I think, you know, I'd already had, I'd already had, you know, some pretty crazy years where I didn't have to worry or, or factor in anything to do with my diabetes. You know, I'd done all of my sort of lads holidays and my, my mad, <laughs> my mad partying years and I didn't have to worry about dealing with it at school or anything. So I think at where I was at 24, you know, you're just about becoming a proper adult. You can kind of understand things. And I think that, yeah, it, it was right for me because I could just take on the responsibility of it myself. And I think any older, like if I'd have, say, been diagnosed in my 30s, you're already pretty settled in your adult life. Do you know what I mean? I think at 24, you're still kind of like, you're an adult, but you're still finding exactly where you're going to be and what you're going to do. If you, if you get diagnosed at 30, you know, you might have a kid, you might have different things going on that just make it more complicated so yeah i'd say it came although you know wasn't ideal i'd say it came at the best time that it could have come especially yeah, like, like just at the start of covid because i wasn't working as much in my day job so i did have more time to just uh yeah to just build my life from the ground back up and just understand it and, and make diabetes fit into my life yeah i feel exactly the same way because even at the age of 19 i was in no way an adult i was no yeah. i wasn't mature just yet but i feel i was old enough to realize the severity of it and i was yeah. old enough to realize that okay it's my responsibility to manage it myself i don't have to rely on parents or whatever it might be and i feel that if i was that bit older you can you can often kind of be fully set in your ways and yeah. the adjustment to your new diabetic life can be is a massive change yeah so i feel for me it was kind of that sweet spot even though it was obviously an awkward age but what i also love hearing is anybody i speak to who was diagnosed around our age or who was diagnosed later or who was diagnosed as a child yeah because of the experience that they have they wouldn't change it either way so yeah. i think it's important for people to remember that regardless of the age that you are diagnosed it's never going to be ideal yeah. but you fit your management into your life regardless of what you're doing and Absolutely. i think and i think you've hit such a key point there right it's fitting diabetes into your life not changing your whole life to to make your blood sugars work right because i think that so many people get so lost in it that okay obviously you need to make big adjustments right you know we can't get away from that fact but i think if you're just living your entire life just for the sake of having perfect blood sugars and you feel that you need to miss out on things or not do things just to not affect your blood sugars. Like I think that's where a lot of people get this kind of misconception that you can fit your diabetes around your lifestyle. And you've always got to remember the person you were before you got diagnosed. Like don't let that new diagnosis define you and the way you behave and the things you do because you can still do everything. It's just about taking the time, that famous old phrase, trial and error, and just making it work around around your diabetes. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think, look, I, I feel as if I'm kind of speaking to myself on this episode, Matt, because every, everything that you're saying, I just couldn't agree with more. And I have always come from the place of you shouldn't base your lifestyle around your diabetes. You should yeah. base your diabetes around your lifestyle. Yes. Now, that means that you don't kind of take the piss with what you're doing for your blood sugar. But the way I always view it is have the same experience that you want to have, but make rational and measured decisions to benefit your blood sugar. 
So to give yeah. an example with that, what what I always look at is like, if I'm going on a night out, right, and I want to go out with friends, I want to do whatever, I want to have a good few drinks and have a good night. Yeah. By me keeping the experience of my night out the same, by being out with friends, drinking alcohol, having a late night, whatever it might be, I can still make a measured and rational and clever decision to say, right, I'm going to drink tequila soda to benefit my blood sugar instead of cocktails all night. Yes, you know? exactly. And it's like, yeah. yes, I am type 1 diabetic. Yes, I can enjoy the things, the night out that I want to have, but it's about making decisions around that night out to benefit my bloods. Completely, completely. And I think something so key to just follow on from that is make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people and that the people around you understand your condition. And it's not to say that, you know, you need other people to take care of it for you because obviously you take ownership of it. But I think if the people you're with are aware of it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much better. And, you know, you can, you can like, I don't want to say make fun of it, but you can make like, you can make it part of the night out. Do you know what I mean, my friends would always joke around that they're going to go and get me a full sugar Coke because they think it's funny. But like, it's <laughs> just like, for me, I, I, I find that quite funny. Do you know what I mean? We, we've got that level with it. And I know that a lot of people wouldn't, but I think, you know, if you would laugh about it, you cry about it, right? You've just got to make the, make, make the best of it. And I've yeah. got plenty of memories, even in the short time I've been diagnosed, where, you know, I'll be like, you know, drinking or whatever. And one of my friends will grab my phone off me and scan my Libra just to double check. Or I've had it once before where I'd fallen asleep after a night out and one of the lads woke me up and got me to do a finger prick. And I think if you've got people around you that care about it that much, then, you know, it's, it's just helps. It's just so, so important. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. It gives you that extra layer of security, safety, reassurance yeah. that is and can be vital, particularly on nights out when you're having a late one and drinking alcohol or you're away yeah, on a, a lad's holiday or whatever it might be. Absolutely. So going back to that math after getting out of hospital and arriving home with your, your needles and your insulin and all these different things that we need. Yeah. How did you get back into your training? Because when I look at you now and when anybody would look at you now, you're in phenomenal shape. You look Shit, mate. like you're a, you're a beast, you know, and some <laughs> of the videos that you put up on Instagram of some of the weights that you're lifting, I suppose, like you would look at, you, you would look at you and think there's nothing quote unquote wrong with him, you know? So how did you get yourself back into the type of training that you do post diagnosis? It, it was definitely a long journey. I think it was a case of, I mean, at the time in the UK, the gyms were shut because of um, lockdown. So it kind of it kind of meant that I had no choice but to build training up slowly. So obviously, first thing was just getting my bloods under control as much as I could. And when I came out of hospital, I was on loads of basil because obviously my bloods were so high. And then as soon as I started training, that just tumbled down. And then, um, yeah, I just built up really slowly. So it started off, it was lockdown. I got some weights for the garden. I got a little pull-up bar. And then as, um, as the training got more intense, I brought the calories back up. And there was definitely a point where my diabetes team were kind of like, what the hell are you doing? Because they'll, <laughs> they'll ring you and be like, you know, oh, you know, what, what, how many carbs are you on? What are your macros? What's your BMI? I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm on 400 grams of carbs a day at the moment. And there would just be this pause like, <laughs> what? What do you mean on 400 grams of carbs? Like, they've just you're never heard of it. Like it. Because they just don't get it. But 
I think at that time, my honeymoon period was so strong, right? I was on 400 grams of carbs a day, and I think I was having six units of basil in 24 hours. Wow. It was the absolute dream. But, you know, obviously that doesn't last forever. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it was just building back up slowly. And I think when my gym opened, like, there was plenty of times where I found – I know obviously for the most people and most of my clients, a lot of people spike from resistance training, but I'm still one of the weird, weird anomalies that just drops like a stone. I can't explain it, but that was, um, yeah, that was a real pain in the ass because I'd get into the gym, you know, pre-workout, I'd go in, I'd be ready to do my top set and then I'd just drop like a stone and I'd be sat on the floor of the gym eating squares bars for like 20 minutes. But I think the key thing is here, like I never let that stop me. Do you know what I mean? I'd never have a hypo and be like, right, I'm going home now. I'd just sit there and just wait. And even if it meant I was in the gym for two and a half, three hours, like it took as long as it took because I cared that much about it. And um, and that was really it, to be fair. It was just a case of building my calories back up, just constantly reevaluating, like, right, what is my insulin to carb ratio? How much basal do I need? What's the pre-bolus going to look like? And luckily, it's got to a point now where it never really changes that much. Like I know that, and obviously, if I'm listening to this, right, don't do what I do. This is just what works for me. We're mm. putting that right out there. Um, yeah, but, um, I say it all the time. Don't worry. All the time. <laughs> We're just going to drill it in now. Okay. Yeah. Um, for what works for me, I know that, right, my pre-bolus time is 15 minutes, pretty much before any meal. Breakfast sometimes a bit longer, but I don't tend to eat much before midday anyway. So... Yeah, I know that I can pre-bolus 15 minutes. That's all sweet. I know that my insulin to carb ratio, generally, unless I'm really, really insulin sensitive after a leg day, will be about 1 to 15, and that's where it kind of stays. And those those pillars, so to speak, of the, of the insulin management have stayed like that for quite a while. So now it's just a case of whatever my training goal is, the calories can be built up around that. Mm. Like for now... I've kind of come off the back of quite a heavy off season. I was eating, I had a, like a bodybuilding coach for a while and he's always just been like, you know, you can take care of your own diabetes and anything that's not working, let me know sort of thing. But at one point he had me on six, 10 carb a day when I was really oh. trying to grow. And mate, that was, um, <clears throat> that was a challenge. There was a challenge. My, my insulin was through the roof, but we made it work. I managed to keep pretty tidy blood sugars and, yeah, from that, we're just coming down now, just tapering off into a cut. And I've got a photo shoot for T1 training coming up in end of June. So now it's just like my basil's dropping like a stone again, where the weight's coming off and the calories are coming down. But yeah, it's definitely a, um, it's, it's a strange one because you're chatting to other people in the gym who, who are doing similar training. But it's like, you've now got this whole other, thing to manipulate do you know what i mean Mm. that has got so much margin for error but if you get it right it's great yeah it's just that blanket cover of that extra layer of complication around essentially everything that we do yeah completely what i love what you said and you kind of hit the nail on the head there of like the pillars of your diabetes management you know and oftentimes when people take up a new routine or try to increase or decrease calories based on whatever goal they might have or adjust the type of training or the frequency of workouts and these kind of things. It can sometimes feel as if a lot of things are getting tangled up, you know, because all these different things now you need to consider on top of whatever else you've been considering. Yeah. But 
if you stick to those core pillars and I call them core principles inside my program of things like understanding your ratios, basal rates and fast acting, understanding your, your overnights, understanding how stress affects you, understanding your pre-bolus times at different times a day, all these different things. But when you stick to those core principles or pillars, like you've said, you don't need to kind of come in and out from them. They can be set in stone. And I think that gives you confidence and reassurance when you are increasing or decreasing calories, which obviously you did if you were eating 610 (laughs) grams of carbs a day, which is, which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. What were your calories at in total Uh, when you were eating 610 carbs, Matt? They were just a snip under 5,000. Whoa! But I mean, yeah, you, you, you've, you've got, got to remember, I've been training for like 10 years, mm. you know, natural athlete for anyone putting out there, throwing out those, uh, you know, throwing that shade. I've always been a natural athlete. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just like, yeah, had to have a lot of a lot of food to really stimulate that growth because I think it's my seventh proper off season. And it worked like I've put on, put on a lot of weight and uh, yeah, it's, it's done the job. And just to give anybody who might be listening who don't have who, who might not have like a, even a surface value understanding of like macronutrients and calories, how would you briefly describe what they are? Um, so it's basically just how you break down your overall calories. So it's your your carbs, fats, and proteins. So we've got carbohydrates are four calories a gram. Protein is four calories a gram and fat is nine calories a gram. And it's basically the makeup of those to your overall your overall calorie goal, which should be set based on your activity, age, uh, lifestyle, and, and all those sorts of things. And it's basically how you manipulate those. They've obviously all got their own benefits. So, for example, for a lot of my clients, based on their goals, on a training day, will have nice high carbs, nice high protein, fairly low fats. On a rest day, we'll bring the carbs down and we'll bring the fats up a little bit more just for the recovery side of things. They've obviously got their benefits in terms of in terms of like hormones and sleep as well. So, you know, if your fats are a bit high, you'll get really good sleep. If you're a, a male athlete, then you're going to see benefits in testosterone from higher good quality fats. And it's really just the way you manipulate how you're using those calories and the way you make the most of the calorie goal that you have yeah perfectly explained simplified as i said to you before we we even press record what i love about your instagram and what you put out is you talk about relatively complicated things but you simplify them perfectly for everybody to understand which is oh man i've, I've is had to simplify them myself to understand them <laughs> <laughs> don't i know don't i know matt with your own training do you always train with a goal in mind i.e strength muscle building losing body fat or yeah do you go okay you do you do yeah yeah i'd say so and i think it's just like you've probably found this as well just spending a lot of time in the fitness industry i think it kind of ripples out to every area of your life you become a very goal orientated person i think it's a great thing to have because yeah if i don't have a goal to work towards i kind of lose that that why is behind why am I going to the gym? Do you know what I mean? Like if I'm just going to the gym for the sake of it, I'm just like, okay, this is cool. I'm just ticking over, but you know, what am I really working towards? 
so I think it's always just been the classic goal of like every summer it will just be to get lean for whatever reason you know normally it's just a holiday this year I've got a photo shoot just because I fancied a bit of an extra goal and in the summer it's just going to be to get massive <laughs> in the winter over and that's about yeah. it and I, th- I think it's it's in line with um you know the people around you as well like I've got two kind of training partners that I swap between one of them is my my, my best mate who's also my flatmate and you know he's on like a flipping four year off season trying to get massive and then that's quite interesting but then when I train with my girlfriend she's more of like a bikini athlete and she's all about getting shredded so she'll have me doing hip thrusts like you know all day every day and it's good because <laughs> it just mixes it up do you know what I mean yeah. I'm sure the heavy hip thrusts benefit the squats a lot too they do they absolutely do man it's uh, yeah it helps gets that gets that glute drive going absolutely so how do you prepare Matt then for say like a heavy weight session how do you prepare in advance for that because we both know that a massive part of diabetes is always being prepared in advance for what you're doing so what does your hour two hours even three hours before a big heavy session look like i'll definitely no matter where i am in my training no matter what my macros are I'll pull the vast majority of my carbs to the pre and post workout meal because I feel that if it's if it's a resistance workout, I perform a lot better with carbs on board. I know that some people don't like training with any rapid insulin on board because obviously, obviously the hypo risk, but I find that it's something I can generally manage. I'd say that pre-workout, because I do it's obviously a bit of an anomaly compared to the vast majority of type ones, but I do personally drop even when I'm lifting weights. So I will, I'll have a little bit less insulin with my pre-workout meal. So say that I've worked it out on the, on the calculator on my phone and I would need, let's just say 10 units of insulin rapid with that pre-workout meal. I'll just knock a unit off that. And uh, that just alleviates any risk of uh, any risk of a hypo in the gym normally. So that's a big one. Definitely less rapid insulin on board. And then when I'm in the gym, I mean, I'm lucky, obviously, I know a lot of people don't have these, but I've got a, um, I've got a Libra 2 with the blood sugar alarms on. So I've always got that popping off just in case I go low, but I'll, uh, yeah, I'll test a lot and I'll just take a, take the time to see how I really, really feel, but I'll make sure that the food has gone in absolute minimum an hour before. If I can do more than an hour before, that's great. Cause I think you've got that, that hour leading up to the gym to just keep looking right where is it trending is it looking like it's going to stay stable is it going to potentially go up a little bit i mean if it's if it's going above kind of like eight or nine i'll start to think about right it might go too high obviously anywhere above 10 i will put in a corrective unit before i train but i'm very cautious of doing that because i know that any kind of correction before i train i will normally have to start sipping a lucas a towards the end of my workout Mm. but yeah it's it's really just to reiterate for me personally it's pulling all of or the majority of my carbs to that pre and post workout meal and with that do you do any sort of cardio train like do you go for runs do you do any any yeah. walks or is it purely just weight yeah so i've got, I've got my you know my, my step goal like most people i like to get my ten thousand steps in a day but cardio definitely fluctuates compared to what my physique goal is at the moment it's uh one 145 minute stairmaster session a week which is a bit of a killer i had that yesterday 45 and, um, minutes Nightmare. yeah 45 <laughs> minutes on the stairs it's uh it's a killer. Killer. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, yeah, that actually takes a lot of prep. That's been a really interesting one to tackle. When I saw that come up on my training plan, I thought, oh, this is going to be exciting. So I generally tackle it early morning before I've even had my basil in and I'll have about 80 grams of carbs with no insulin and that leaves me on about a flat line. You've 80 grams of carbs with no insulin on board and that keeps you stable? Yeah, yeah, because honestly my heart rate is at about 160 for 45 minutes and it just just plummets it's mad mm. so i remember the first time i did it i just went in i thought right no basil there's no way i can have a hypo surely and i was just going through a whole packet of dextro energies but i was on the stair <laughs> you know those things are so dry and dusty i was like coughing trying like to get through job. my cardio yeah so touch wood i mean you know the the beauty of diabetes is it's just never the same but that's what I've done the past three times I've done my Stairmaster and it's worked. Have you ever had any incidents in the gym where you're getting under the bar for heavy squats or you're preparing for a heavy bench or whatever it might be, your deadlifts, and your bloods have tanked fast like you've been saying? Yeah, I've had a couple. I've had one where um, I think I was doing like incline dumbbell press and I was just sat with the dumbbells and the knees. And you know, you know you're like psyching yourself out. Yeah ready to hit this top set <laughs> and um I, I had that kind of thought in the back of my head i was like am i going low or not but this is really stupid i was like you know what i'm fine i'll be all right let's just crack on with it and i've gone back with these dumbbells and tried to press them and i've got a couple of reps out and honestly my arms were like noodles i was so shaky <laughs> i just dropped the dumbbells when i got my um finger pricker and i think yeah I, was, I must have been like in the low threes so it was, it was definitely getting hypo yeah and I just went out to my car and just sat there with two squares bars and just waited for about 20 minutes before I carried on my set. It's so frustrating. And almost that exact thing happened to me, I think it was like two or three weeks ago where I went in, I was training later in the day, training like a heavy leg session. So I psyched myself up for it and I'd done my warm up, everything. My bloods were in range. Yeah. Worked up to that heavy working set and basically put my head under the bar took the took the bar off the rack was about to go down and i just had that like boom oh instant feeling of oh i think my blood have slightly dipped and it was heavy so i didn't want to risk it so yeah i re-racked the bar checked my blood sugar and they were basically coming down so i just had to like sit on the sidelines for about 45 minutes just depressed because i was so psyched up to do this set like i couldn't do it you know what though that is big commitment that you're um that you're staying in the gym for that 45 minutes and that's the difference between like someone who's not going to make a huge amount of progress and someone who's going to just say right no matter what adversity is thrown at me mm. to the best of my control i'm going to smash it that was part one of my chat with matt as you know if you are listening on the day of the release part two will be out tomorrow but if you're listening on any other day part two is going to be the next episode on our list So you can get straight back into that one. Enjoy that one. And thanks for listening to part one.